0: What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 28th, 2021, and this week's episode the Poirier vs. McGregor 3 preview show. We're going to start it in Vegas with Cyril Gahn's victory over Alexander Volkov, and the breaking news that he will now be in the interim title fight against Derrick Lewis on August 7th. We'll also recap some of the other stuff that broke during the week. Bellator has a new interim heavyweight champion. The return of Fedor. Everything else there. The latest in the PFL. Kayla Harrison moves on. Lance Palmer and Anthony Pettis are out of the playoffs. What does this mean going forward as the PFL heads into the second half of their season? And finally, Islam Mahachev taking out Tiago Moises. They are now the headliner for the june 17th card on espn and we'll close it out with what else we're gonna get in a little bit early to talk about dustin poirier against conor mcgregor 3 and the co-main event Stephen wonderboy thompson against gilbert burns my name is gabriel gonzalez i'm here with my co-host natalie zamudio and natalie i can't contain my excitement we've got a lot of stuff to talk about
1: oh boy yes we do double g it's uh you know interesting news breaking news and the big fight uh mcgregor poirier three is is upon us or sure to be up, soon to be upon us so yeah it's uh it's gearing up to be a good one for sure
0: let's uh, i want to give the performance it's due so let's start obviously talking about the fight then we'll talk about the breaking news and then we'll recap a little bit there was one more story i want to hit from ufc vegas 30 but saturday night or sorry saturday afternoon Cyril Ghosn, Alexander Volkov. Volkov has a fantastic start. I think not enough people are giving him credit. I thought he was using his range well. I thought he was picking his spots well. I just thought it was going fantastic. And then, my goodness, Cyril Gon being the shorter fighter, less reach. Remember, Alexander Volkov on the feet is a tough customer for anybody. And truly, I felt like Cyril Ghosn came very close to shutting him down offensive-wise. It just felt like Volkov did not have an answer for the speed, for the timing. It just seemed like Cyril Gan knew that he had his number and his. he just had his timing down. And really, for all of Volkov's prowess, he really never could get any more significant offense going by about midway of the second round. This was just an impressive performance. I think the only thing that it was missing was if you wanted a finish. But for two technicians, for Cyril to be that far ahead on the scorecards against Volkov, I was just very impressed. I was like, you know, I, I just did not expect him to make it look that easy. I thought even if he wins, this is a difficult fight. And really, that was a near shutout on the scorecards. What did you think?
1: You know, for he- when it comes to heavyweight fights, and go ahead and cancel me if you like, I prefer a knockout finish in the first round, you know. The last thing I want is a decision uh, five round decision fight when the heavyweights get in the cage. However, this was a good fight. It was exciting, back and forth the leg kicks, man. Woo, they were just going back, almost just going back and forth exchanging leg kicks. That hurt. That hurt me to watch. Um because it was it was basically like a jab one and, and they were both kicking the same side of each other's legs and, and I don't know how they, uh, how they're doing now, you know, Sunday, Monday, but they they must be in a little bit of pain. And, uh, but ultimately Cyril Gon was, uh, faster, um, more aggressive, just such, such, uh, so light footed, you know, fleet of foot right on his toes, able to move around. He had some beautiful moments, uh, you know, turning out backwards, a little bit like a Lomachenko, and still landing some, some hooks uh, on the pivot. It was an impressive fight for Cyril Gon. Volkov was right there with him, though. This wasn't a, a a blowout, right? They were going back and forth for the most part, but Cyril Ghosn was just a little bit ahead uh, in most rounds. I think, I can't remember if it was four or five, no, four, where I thought Volkov had, like, the, a, a really strong two or three minutes um and i thought okay well you know this this is interesting and i think even in his corner they thought it was two and two going into the fifth but cyril was ahead of the game for me and uh surprising i mean i think i can't remember where i wrote it down but i think we both picked yep volkoff unanimous decision so uh whatever (laughs) but uh it was very impressive cyril dog performance so so good for him and as we'll get into later i think it paid off right
0: yeah, I I think what you got to acknowledge, Volkov is a guy who's been knocking on the door of a title shot for a while. I mean, he beats Derek Lewis about three years ago. He probably gets that short notice call against Daniel Cormier. Um, He gets by Curtis Blades. He's probably a lot further down the line, probably doesn't need to take this fight with Cyril Ghosn in hindsight. So, you know, he's just, I want to acknowledge that he's a guy who's been there. And, you know, he's gotten some tough style matchups. And, um, look, it is what it is with the fight with Derek Lewis. This is a guy who is up there. And this is a guy who, you know, he has more UFC fights than Cyril Gahn has fights overall. And so the experience, you know, I think that uh, we keep talking about it. I think that you just got to make it a fact that Cyril's experience far is far ahead of what the numbers would say when you look at his career. I mean... He came into the UFC with three fights, and he's really not had an easy time. He's faced several tough veterans. I mean, Tanner Bozer beats OSP on the, in the co event. Cyril beat Tanner Bozer, and he's stopped Junior Dos Santos. And, you know, obviously he decisioned Jarzinho and now he uh, did that to Alexander Volkov. And it's set up now. I mean, we thought—I I was getting ready this morning to tell you— I think Cyril Gane should do everything to get a Stipe Miosic fight. I think that that's the one to make because Nganu's is going to be focused on Derek Lewis and then maybe Jon Jones or vice versa. And then Brett Okamoto got on Twitter. <laughs> and you can start most podcasts with that. And then Brett Okamoto just got on Twitter. That dang Okamoto. <laughs> and he just throws the entire MMA world for a curveball. They announced that August 7th, UFC 265 will be headlined by Derek Lewis against Cyril Ghosn for the Interim Heavyweight Championship. Uh, First off, did I break the news to you this afternoon? Yes, sir. You sure did. How did you You... miss that? Did you like turn off your phone for four hours? Three hours?
1: Baby Joe. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Baby Joe.
0: (laughs) You know, uh, I don't want to get into details yet, immediate reaction. Just immediate reaction when you yeah, found out.
1: Well, you, you casually were like, hey, don't forget to check the update of the uh, the, you know, the breakdown for tonight. I honestly I had like, a
0: feeling you might not have seen it. That's so why I was like, just text her. So I was like,
1: okay. <laughs> so I didn't go to the website. I went to, to your document and I was like, what? And I literally texted you, OMG, interim. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that I was reading those words it, it came to me out of extra left field because it was, you know, not something that I got uh, whenever they dropped the news, Okamoto, um, but, you know, through you, through the doc. So it, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, what about you? What what? How soon did you find out? Did you get that, that that message right away on your notifications?
0: You're telling me your ESPN app didn't notify you like it always does? Dude,
1: <laughs> it does. It notifies me of everything. and I think I just must have missed it. I was like, okay, I got a new Roku. I was setting that up earlier, so I probably came in during that time. And uh, that's it, that's all I got to say. Well, that's, <laughs> that's way more, I-
0: well, let's be honest, TV is way more important. Anyway, um, <laughs> I read that and I was like, well, first off, is this a real Okamoto and this isn't some, you know. Hakamoto. Guy? Yeah, yeah, I love it, Hakamoto, yes. <laughs> and no. there's that blue check mark and I'm like, what? You know, and I read it, and I'm like, first thing, it's like, well, it's, uh, why not Francis and Ganu? What happened? Yeah. Um, like everybody else, I felt uh, everything. I, I, this is so. Of all the scenarios, we didn't see this coming. And I, I, there was nobody who was like, well, is Cyril gone? You know. You know, if Francis is committed to John Jones and. Derek Lewis is here. I think that they're going to do an interim title with Derek and uh, Cyril in August. Nobody was saying that. Nope, not
1: even close, bro.
0: Even Luke Thomas. And Luke Thomas is the guy who'll be like, don't, you know. He, or, uh, you know, these are the guys who have those kinds of ideas. Nobody mm-hmm. saw this coming. Um, In as few words as possible, the only thing I can really imagine is that the UFC was so committed to Derek Lewis in Houston. And, you know, per reports, Nganu said, I can't do August, but I'll be ready for the September 25th pay-per-view. He said he accepted a fight with Derek Lewis for that, but I think that um, the fact that they just stuck to their guns to have the Houston card in August, uh, I, that can be the only thing I think of because there's no other reason why you would book this fight for Derek and for Inganu and really the only thing I was just like I I just can't uh, I I don't really know what to really go with it Uh, stylistically we can acknowledge we can talk about that at the end but what does this do to the aftermath because it's like okay if you're Nganu, it's like okay let's say a John Jones deal gets done what happens to the winner of this one Like, do you think... Like, with this announcement, I don't see Francis Ngannou fighting John Jones in September. Even if he would have been ready. I just feel like this... This entire thing just gets screwed over. I think even John Jones is like, well, no, if you're pulling this move, I think that, um... I think that all negotiations really just got flipped upside down wherever they were at in order to keep Derek on in Houston. And, um... The only thing I think of is that, yeah, I think that these are two people, if you think about it, I think Cyril knows this is a huge opportunity, and if you're feeling good enough after that fight with Volkov, why not? And then if you're Derek Lewis, I think one of the things we've learned about Derek is that for as affable as much as he may joke about it, he's just here to fight. And yeah. so if you tell him, hey, we got to fight for you, you don't got to wait. And even then, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like they must have sweetened the pot besides just saying he's gonna to have to fight in Houston because he waits one more month, he gets Nganu. I I really unless they felt like Nganu was holding out for John Jones, I don't know any other scenario how this happens.
1: Yeah, I think your Houston notion is, is probably right on. If we think about coming out of twenty twenty, no fans. All at the apex or fight island, just getting the, the you know, the full full arena churning. And this was gonna be a big one for them. You know, hometown guy beloved by Houston, you know, going out in the floods and helping to rescue people. That hilarious Instagram he has like there's just so much there that I think it would have been sold out immediately, on top of the fact that he's fighting Francis and Ghana, who's already a mega famous heavyweight champion, newly crowned. Um it does sort of make sense that they were trying to preserve Derek Lewis being in Houston over having their new champion defend his belt, you know, right away or as soon as possible, as soon as he was ready. They it's like it's so easy for them to just say interim title and they can put, you know, belts on the poster. And, and, you know, do their best to, to pitch it to, to non-diehard fans like, hey, we've got a championship fight, and, you know, it's going to be awesome, and it's in Houston. So it's super strange, like, Francis and Gone when did he win the belt? Like, ugh, how long ago March. was this?
0: Late yeah, March.
1: It's just, it's just crazy. There's, like, these tweets or Instagram posts or whatever between Dana White and Francis and Ghana's manager, right, going back and forth about just basically calling each other liars. Who knows what the truth is there. But I really thought that the UFC loved and respected Francis Ngannou and would have wanted to not do something ridiculous like like call up an interim title for someone who just won in March, okay, and was willing to fight in September. Like, that's not so far off, is it? That's not ridiculous. Now, why did he need so much time off? I don't know. He he, 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 the fight, when, when did he finish, Stipe? Round one, round two?
0: Round two.
1: Round two. So,
0: you know. I, I will say this, I mean what's wrong with wanting to enjoy your victory a little bit when you've had the career Nganu has had, but um I guess the two things I come to is that if you're Derek Lewis, why did you take it if the Nganu fight was a done deal in September? So that says to me, either they paid him a lot to take take it in Houston or Nganu was holding out and it could be a combination Enganu is holding out that they could still get a John Jones fight done in September. And so that's why Lewis decided, well, you know what? L- why I'm not gonna I'm gonna take my destiny into my own hands. Whatever happens next to Francis will happen. I'm fighting gone for the interim title. That's the only scenario I could see where Derek would risk it, because Derek knows the upside to fighting Nganu. And so that's the only way I could see this scenario playing out. And, um, yes. mm-hmm. I, I mean, you tell me, do you see another scenario where there's another reason all of these players on the board would make these decisions?
1: No, probably not. And this is a win win for Derek Lewis, right? Either he waits till September to fight Fran Singanu and, you know, he gets the pay per view points, or maybe he doesn't get them because he's not champion yet, but probably they would give him something. He's a big name, people like him. Or he fights for the belt now. And if he wins, then he gets to to, to fight Inganao, probably not so far off from, from August. So win win for Derek Lewis, win win for, for Cyril Gon, um Francis Gaṇu. it's hard for me to believe that he would really want to hold out for John Jones. But but okay, if that's the case, then I really understand why the UFC was not willing to to put off selling out houston with derrick lewis um like a guaranteed sell just hands down
0: so here's something i want to bring up and I, I should have written this down so if it comes as breaking news i apologize but um i saw a report that they had moved or they were planning to announce the movement of jan Blahovich and glover tashira that one was supposed to be the september 25th head or pay-per-view they are pushing them back is what i read to october 30th the next pay-per-view so right now september 25th didn't have any t- doesn't have any title fights if that's true so I, I think the reason being is because they felt like okay they don't want to double up blahovic and inganu they feel like maybe Nganu can headline a card by himself certainly with lewis um but if not inganu I don't know if I see Kamaru Usman fighting in September as opposed to December. And I don't really know unless Conor Poirier gets a first round knockout that we could see Oliveira in September, you know, and Poirier McGregor headlining. So I I just don't know what they're planning to do with that September pay-per-view. I think that unless it's Kamaru, you do this, the only two options are you're hoping for somebody to take it short notice again. Or Nganu fights somebody and the whole thing just gets thrown out of whack. Because imagine, you know, like you have an interim title and then the heavyweight title gets fought for next month.
1: Yeah, silly.
0: So I think that, um, I'll ask you this. September, which champion headlines that pay-per-view?
1: I don't even know, bro. But you know what? I really don't. I couldn't, I I don't know. The UFC always finds a way to to rightfully or, you know, sideways, uh, you know, left field, get a title fight on, on every pay-per-view, at least one, sometimes two, sometimes three, like, they always manage to do it. In this instance here, for August, they make up an interim, and they'll do what they have to do in September, they'll, they'll you know, pay GSP for a bajillion dollars, like, to fight Kamar Usman, they'll get uh Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz to fight for BMF too like there's all the things you can consider that are in the realm of possibility plus the things you can't even think of the UFC is capable of doing just to get belts on a poster belts on a pay-per-view so it's really one of those we're just gonna have to wait and see all
0: right that's fair I was like you imagine if they get Nganu on there that would just be like uh, you know what are (laughs) we playing or you know what <sighs> Brandon Moreno but then against two Charles Oliveira and you're essentially betting that Poirier Connor wins in under 5 minutes and doesn't get hurt uh, it's yeah i don't know Brandon
1: Moreno Henry Cejudo or uh, you know TJ Dillashaw i mean i don't know you could you could do something there
0: you know you uh, Peter no Peter Jan, Corey Hagen Peter Jan, TJ i don't know and even then, that means that they'd only have a month, Corey or TJ, because they fight at the end of next month.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. MMA, uh, Wait and see. It's but and um, see, but yeah. I i I will be... It, it's going to be something wild. I just don't, you know. And keep in mind, the August 7th card already had Amanda Nunes. And I will point out, uh, finally, tickets have not gone on sale for Houston. So I do think... um. I hate to say it because I feel like that it sucks that they don't have that kind of faith in Amanda. But I think that clearly says what they, you know, their ability to sell out and demand money at the tickets by having Derek there. So, yeah. 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 Um, before we talk about anything else, I want to ask your opinion on this. Uh, Justin James bet his entire fight purse on himself to win on Saturday and uh it did not go his way. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, wouldn't it have been a great story if it had gone the other way? <laughs> um, damn, that's so that sucks. That's so sucky, man. Like uh, and like in your head if you're this guy, if you're Justin James, and, well, okay, I didn't see the fight. So was it close? Was it he clearly like he clearly lost?
0: I felt like it was pretty, uh, you know, he needed a finish by the end, so it was not going his way. So
1: so this supports where I was going, which is like you've done this silly thing. It's a silly thing, okay? And you're in the fight, round one. Oh, damn, okay. I really, I got two more rounds here to turn this around. And you probably, you're in your own head. You're probably psyching yourself out. I feel like it's this extra pressure you didn't need. It probably made it harder for him to win. Because as the clock gets ticking away, ticking down, like you realize that you're like about to not only not get your win money, but you're gonna lose your your regular money. Like you know, you're gonna lose your fight
0: money, your
1: show money. Ah, uh, that just hurts, man. And and then did he did he put this out there beforehand or after yeah, the fact?
0: Yeah, beforehand. Before- the one oh, thing sorry. I will say is he hasn't posted a receipt, which I kind of felt like well. <clears throat> I kind of want to see it bro because i think that's where the real emotion heartbreak or relief is going to come from but he i will say this he has gone on instagram and he comments like no regrets nothing like that so it is in the, in I mean, the what else are you gonna say in the Jeez. words of our famous hawaiian it is what it is <laughs> uh, but yeah uh tanner boser uh controversial finish but on review uh he didn't grab the fence he got that knockout of osp the you know i i thought it was a fence grab but when i on replay it's like not close but that's a that's a easy win unless they have an angle i don't see so not only was
1: it not a fence grab but like you know belger was 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 on the upswing he was beating osp okay um he looks he was fast he was strong he was aggressive, but like the, the the time, like what OSP is saying about, you know, uh, Herzog put his hands on him and that threw him off, like the time from when that happened to when he was knocked out, it, to me it felt like a long time, that that like a, it shouldn't have affected him, it shouldn't have affected his awareness, his ability to defend or anything, so I kind of didn't buy that one, that one just seemed like a nice try, but this was a clean win for Bowser.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there um but yeah so that's the that's the main takeaways of the night um friday uh well, bellator had quite the busy day so let's work backwards essentially first off there's a new interim heavyweight champion hey how about that another one <laughs> another one. Valentin too. moldovsky just a solid victory that was you know that was just two big dudes you know went at it you know solid fight for heavyweights um valentine valentine or valentine i don't know i want to say it's valentine sorry you kick butt bro so just keep that in mind (laughs) no disrespect but uh he he had no message for ryan bader just said he wasn't gonna wait for him he's gonna do his thing ryan as we know He's still in the light heavyweight Grand Prix. They haven't announced dates, but they had said they hope for the next round to be in July. But we're already going to be in July on Thursday. So I don't know. Unless they look, they could easily just say the week before McKee and them. Hey, we're doing it. And, you know, all for the semifinalists in one night. But I am surprised that they haven't announced it. I'll just say that. And then, of course, the big news. Fedor to return. They announced he's gonna be in Moscow the first time uh Bellator's been there on October twenty third, and there's apparently a list of guys who have volunteered. There's been Josh Barnett, Alistair Overeem, um Fabricio Verdum said the PFL wouldn't stop him if he took the fight and a lot of stuff. Um so I'll start start off with a general thing. Um there's an interim champion. Does that make you any more excited to see Ryan Bader move up rather than stay in the 205 tournament?
1: Um, to, to, am I excited to see him fight at like,
0: heavyweight? Like, do you feel like, okay, now he really has to get up there? Or do you feel like the same exact way you did before there was a, another belt holder at heavyweight? Well...
1: You know, I I like I like Brian Bader. I like that he was able to make this great story and and presumably he'll finish his career at Bellator and, and so so have this great upswing in his career at Bellator, win the two belts and you know the Grand Prix belt too, so he's got like the three belts and you know, when when that happened last or two years ago. Um so it'd be kinda of cool for him to get that back. But honestly it's just kinda of like um
0: I don't even know Is it, uh, I'll be honest with you I, it's I not felt that the, exciting frankly yeah, so. <laughs> I felt the same way I was like uh, it's not that uh, Moldovsky isn't on a good run I just think that after you've seen him fight Fedor and Nemkov and you know what's going on at 205 it's like uh, don't take this the wrong way but I felt like they made an interim with two guys who weren't gonna, you know they made it between guys that Ryan Bader hadn't fought like he's already gone through the top guys at heavyweight. He beat Czech Congo, who's you know the guy to beat in his in the Grand Prix absence. So I felt about the same. But you know that's not to say that Moldovsky didn't have a solid win. It's just there's more fun at two o five in this moment with all the new names.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like a hundred percent more fun.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, I missed one. Gegor Musasi, by the way coming back August 13th against John Salter. Um, going back, though, uh, Fedor, if you could pick somebody for him, who would, who do you want to see?
1: I kind of like Josh Barnett. Um, uh, Fabrizio Verdum, was he saying, like, no one's going to stop me, PFL, or they have actually told him, you know, you're free to go fight for Bellator, if it means if competing against Fedor?
0: The latter, the second one, yeah. Okay,
1: okay. Well that's nice of them. Uh those two are exciting. Yeah. Um look, Fedor is and I say this because of, you know, how we met at the Bellator uh event where Fedor was fighting and being in the presence of that gentleman and his entourage is an experience I'll never forget. And so I do see how he is like even though he hardly moves a muscle on his face, even when he's fighting. There is a star quality to him. It's like if you see Goldie Hahn or Kate Hudson, you know, they have this thing this like intangible sparkle. Now, I wouldn't use the word sparkle with Fader, but there's something there. <laughs> you just want to see the guy fight. Yep. And he's done okay, right? Like, I was looking back at his record earlier. Um, it's like one loss in the last four fights.
0: He had like a 27 fight win streak. Yeah, he's one of the GOATs. He had yeah. GOAT status.
1: I mean, I mean, recently, of course. Before, yes, he's a a legend. But I'm talking about just recently, like with Bellator. Yeah. You know. So, what was the reason for the retirement, and then coming back? It seems relatively soon. Is it just that he wanted a long break, or something else, you know, happened? You know, fighters get that itch again. I don't know, but I kind of don't care because there's just something amazing about seeing that man walk in, uh, you know, down the ramp into the cage. You hope for a win. You want to see him win. You want to see him slug it out. Um, <laughs> but, but going back to what I said at the beginning, his face doesn't change no matter what. Win or lose, knockout, victory, like the man is expressionless. And there's something really cool about that. And so Fabrice of Doom, I would like to see that. I kind of want to see Josh Barnett more, though. What's your uh, What's your angle here?
0: Alistair Overy. Yes, I'll tell I, you what. I, I couldn't remember that one. I, I thought about Josh Barnett. I really did after the whole affliction thing and everything that happened. But I'm going to be honest. It feels like every. Uh, I, Josh Barnett has been with Bellator a minute. There's a reason he hasn't thought Stuff keeps happening. Yeah. Stuff yeah. that I, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it's his fault. Mm-hmm. You know? So I just. Josh Barnett, you had your chance. Anyway, and I'ma just leave it at that and um Yeah, so in that way, Alistair Overeem, I specifically remember, you know, Uberim. Yeah, you no, know, not Overeem, Uberim. You know, pre-Usada Overeem, you get what I mean? Uh-huh. And he was doing like the Phantom Takedown where he was just throwing big guys like Derek Lewis size guys and it looks like he's not even touching them, they're just falling around him. And I was like, oh, him versus Fedor, that's going to be sick. And we never got it. It's, you t- know, not Bruce Buffer style because no one's that good, but it's time. You know what <laughs> I mean? I'm going to leave it yeah. at that. And Verdum is like, nothing's Verdum, but you've got yeah. stuff to fix in PFL. You You're know? not that... It's yeah. not going to be an exciting fight. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so there I am. Uh, Gago Musasi. Look, he's one of the best. It's always good to see him back. Um... Scott Cooker teased Yo Romero possibly going down. I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't mind it, but I kinda need to see that Romero will make it to the cage first.
1: Yeah, first of all, what's the health issue that kept him out of the, the Grand Prix? Second of all, he has enough trouble making weight at two oh five, like I I don't he's just pure muscle. I don't know what condition he'll be in at one eighty five and then it's like okay, you're not gonna get the amazing fight you hoped for because he's gonna be so depleted. Yeah. So I'm not excited about that for that specific reason. The weight cut I think is too much. He's he's older. It's gonna be harder. It's not it's not worth it. Not only for his health, but no, we're not gonna get the payoff. Like it's yeah. just not gonna be a good fight.
0: Yeah, I hear you there. Um, let's go back one more day. Thursday was PFL night. They had the lightweight final and the featherweights and um, the women's lightweights. So let's start with the obvious one. Um, Kayla Harrison, she rolls on. She'll be, she's actually the second seed. Two first-round finishes, but believe it or not, Larissa Pacheco got her finishes quicker overall. Larissa Pacheco, last year's finalist against Kayla, is the number one seed. Uh, Kayla's number two, so the only way they can meet is in the final. And um, Kayla Harrison will be fighting Jenna Fabian. I will say real quick... I know that as the PFL season winds down, it's going to be about where is Kayla going. Rightfully so. I kind of like the fact that she may have to motivate herself again to fight Larissa. Because if you ask me, we're looking for the next superstar, right? Like, you know, since Ronda Rousey, there hasn't been that, oh, you know. Like, this chick can sell pay-per-views by herself, doesn't need no other title on the line. It's it can be the one woman show, right? Right. Uh, you know, Rose has you know been there, Joanna and Valentina. They almost always have had help. And I, I just say like we haven't had anywhere near a star the level of Rhonda, for rightfully so. It's not like they just pop out of the toaster every hour. I will say that when you talk about Kayla being the next big thing in women's MMA. The idea of her having to prove that she's got that killer instinct that yeah, I'm gonna fight this girl the third time and I'm even gonna beat her even better than I did the last two. If you ask me, that's the kind of mentality that gets you to wins over Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. I think that she comes in with that killer instinct a third time, possibly in the final. I think that's a sign of a superstar, not just someone who's fighting tomato cans. This is someone who may be successful against the bigger fish. What about you?
1: I mostly agree with that. I agree that, that she's going to come in with the killer instinct. Like, you know it burns her that she got first-round finishes too, but Larissa Pacheco was faster. Like, that's going to burn her. I mean, we remember the time when she fought her to decision and, and cried. That was her, right? That she cried yeah. after. The okay. So that, and then she, she, she beat her again, got the championship, and all that good stuff. But that's going to burn her. I know it. I've seen enough interviews with her. I've heard her speak enough. I know that's bothering her. And of course, yes, this bigger uh, storyline ahead of her. What's the future? you know, where's she going to go? Is she going to stay with PFL? is it is it and is it you know apart from fighting Larissa Pacheco and and putting the nail on that coffin saying, "I'm better than you, period." I beat you three times and, you know emphatically, is there anyone else in the division, you know last season this season that really made her break a sweat? <sighs> Kayla Harrison's just like the perfect combination physique uh strength uh discipline discipline and all that stuff put together like she's just unbeatable in a weight class where there isn't that much competition so the the big question of course is always is she going to a bigger promotion a more stacked promotion is she going to get to fight amanda nunes i think she has to, like, obliterate Larissa Pacheco for that win to make waves with the Bellators and the UFCs. It can't just be, you know, decision. It can't just be hold her down, ground and pound. It can't even just be a submission. It's got to be vicious. It's got to be a blitz, and obliteration. That's the only way I think she makes a strong impression. Now, that doesn't mean that if she if she wins, Bellator isn't going to be interested they'll definitely be interested PFL is going to want to keep her Bellator is going to want to sign her but I don't think that's going to be enough for UFC she's got to win ice cold and she's got to have a sick call out when she does she's got to get on the mic she has to practice that sort of like the way Michael Chandler did after he beat Dan Hooker she's got to have that nailed and then I think she'll get the attention of or the interest of the UFC um, but Bellator interest is is basically there she just has to win and even if she doesn't win, do you think, even if she doesn't win the championship, which is doubtful, I think Belter will still be knocking on the door.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that that for sure. Um, I will say I noticed that Kayla Harrison, I feel like she's laying the groundwork with her mic skills. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time she had her whole, you know. Let's stop acting like I'm not the best. And, you mm-hmm. know, she had a WWE moment. It was great. It was great. I'm all for a good Game of Thrones reference. So I'll give her an A plus for Thursday, too. Um, I I feel like she, like she goes out there and she keeps doing this. You know, Dana White takes notice and says, hey, like, we can sell a Harrison Nunes pay-per-view. Now, that means a lot on the business side. Are they going to build a division after uh, Nunez and Harrison? Um, for example, we didn't talk about it, but Norma Dumont went out there and beat uh, Felicia Spencer. And then I heard Norma Dumont say that USC is asking her to stay a featherweight to, quote unquote, make things interesting. I don't know if that is what I would call it, but OK. It's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, you have a girl who says she wants to be at thirty five essentially killed the 45 division i'm not talking about amanda i'm talking about dumont um all of those are questions bellator the only thing i think getting in the way of bellator is i think that their ability to make a star out of kayla just isn't as good as the ufc i'm sure they'll give her a good deal i'm sure they'll give her the freedom if she wants to try other stuff but Kayla has said, I'm not interested in boxing. I'm not interested in doing this other stuff. I'm not interested in beating someone up on Triller. I'm here to be the best MMA fighter I could be. So I think that overall, that's just like, okay, well, um, you want to be the biggest star you could be in UFC and fight the best. The girl who beat Chris Cyborg is in the UFC. That woman is her teammate. How does she figure this out? I'm not sure. I think it's gonna it's gonna come down to the money. And I think the UFC might offer a lot up front. I think Bellator might have a more long term plan that may be easier on her personal wise at ATT. I don't know. I will just say this is about to be an interesting four or five months when we get to the playoffs in August. Um it's
1: getting juicy. Yes sir.
0: Anthony Pederson Lance Palmer so you have a two-time champion in Palmer 11 fight win streak in PFL he is just out of the playoffs now now it's not impossible that he could come back as an alternate i've seen it happen i was there when it happened when somebody got the call up as an alternate and they weren't even an alternate like the alternate fight they competed but they were too beat up, and they couldn't fill in as an alternate. So someone who had lost earlier in the night—that's night, right, that's right. Yep, got to do it, and it was so. Can Palmer get back in it? Yes. A lot of stuff has to go his way, and quite bluntly, has to go very bad for other people. Mm-hmm. Just to say it like it is, and then Anthony Pettis. Same scenario, controversial decision. I thought he got the job done, uh, by a bit, but. He's out. He's officially 0-2 in PFL, and it's the same thing. These guys aren't really fighting for a million dollars. They're just kind of there to collect a fight purse. Is it good or bad that, for one, we got a surprise, but two, PFL, you know, two of their biggest names aren't even in the playoffs anymore. They're not fighting for the big Chiefs.
1: You know, it's not that bad, no offense to Lance Palmer, but it's not that bad for him for the pfl to have him out
0: because he already got two million
1: (laughs) he already got his championships and he's just not as big of a name like let's be real respectfully come on now but anthony pettis man showtime pettis coming from ufc former champion ufc WEC, like that's a big name and it was a big signing and there was a lot of promise there you know he's at the end of his USC career, he was hit or miss, hit or miss, but, like, he could still do it. He could still be as good as he once was every once in a while. And, you know, he got owned by, I can't remember the guy's name in the first round, but he was really good. caller. Yes, thank you. He got owned by that guy. Okay, regroup, come back. You know, how much does embarrassment play into this? How much does, you know, just second-guessing yourself? You know regardless it's even worse that that he you know that that he feels he won that there's a case for him having won the fight um but i think it's embarrassing for him it's embarrassing for pfl what are you gonna do that's mma you just gotta shake it off and move on but i don't know what his deal is like is he coming back next season i don't know what kind of contract he signed um and if they're giving him extra money just because he's anthony pettis or is it literally just you fight you you know you get paid when you fight and if you win the whole thing then you get the million dollars I don't know, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of embarrassing. I just don't know how else to phrase it.
0: I think that, um, I think when you have traditionally matched up fights, one of the benefits is you could try to piggyback the person who beat them. You could try to say like, oh, well, hype, you know, this person pulled off the upset. So now they're our big star because they had their Rocky Balboa moment, right? I don't know if in a tournament setting you could really do that because it's like Clay Collar didn't get the Anthony Pettis rub and shine put on him. Same thing for Monfio. And so while, yes, it's a surprise and it reminds you anything can happen, I think for PFL it's like, well, ratings-wise, if you don't match these guys on the same night as a Harrison or a Rory McDonald or Fabrizio or someone else, I don't know if you can necessarily electrify, you know, the fan base at a time when there's been so much MMA. I mean, you know, we're forty minutes into this. I mean, we've talked about Bellator, we've talked about UFC. You still got all, you know, big months coming in boxing of all forms, traditional and thriller. <laughs> it's quite um I, I, I just think that uh coming in a few months it'll be a faux pas. And and once again, look, uh i get it it's it's very hard when you have a brand like the ufc out there to get the love and so really for pfl it's like are their lightweight playoffs gonna get the same kind of love as the featherweight i don't know um i think that they're they maybe not but look the guys could always bring it and have good fights so i'm gonna leave it at that kind of positive but In terms of attention, yeah, their people they brought in to bring more attention are out. And I think that logically that means there will be less attention on the playoffs, Um, which sucks. Uh, Clarissa Shields, she's going to be coming back this August. I just had that date and I put it down. August 27th. So, you know, she just fought earlier this month. She's taken no boxing fights between then. Good or bad that she comes back so soon?
1: I think it's good. You know, she had her struggles in the fight, the ones we expected her to have. But she had enough basic grappling, defensive knowledge that she was able to get out of it and then do her thing. And um, you kind of just got to get back on the bicycle. Like, she won. So it's not even like a, you fell off the horse So you fell off the bike. You got to get back on. Like, she won the fight. But, you know, I don't. if I'm her, I don't want to get cold. I want to keep the MMA thing going. I want to keep my brain focused on MMA. Like you saw her in a, I don't know if it was Stephen Smith or somebody interviewing her. And she's very honestly admitting that, you know, MMA is like a hundred times harder because of all the different um, styles that you have to learn and incorporate in one, in one moment of, of, uh, of combat. So hundred percent, the right thing to do. Like the matchmaking is still very important for her and it's going to be very important for a long time. If I'm PFL, I don't know if they've announced her opponent yet, but if I'm PFL, I'm looking at, like, all this investment that we've made in Kayla Harrison, Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald, you know, Fabrice Doom. it's not panning out the way we planned. Clarissa Shields is, like, you know, a national athletic hero. Let's keep supporting her. Like, literally, they have to have the mindset of we're supporting her transition to MMA we're supporting her. We don't want to just throw her into the fire. Throw her into the deep end. So I hope that they're keeping that in mind as she learns the sport. She's an incredible athlete, an incredible striker, and with her hands in boxing, of course. So good thing to keep her on the train. Also better if they do intelligent matchmaking for her.
0: I'll keep it short. I think it's a good thing for the simple fact that I'm not a fighter, but I think that when you're in the position Clarissa Shields is, I think that more time and maybe more time to entertain boxing options and all. It's good because I think that if she has time to think about other stuff, she may feel like, well, you know what, I can do this or I can do that. I think the fact that she's sticking with MMA, she's going to be more motivated to fill up, you know, fix those holes there's no opponent yet so more or less it's like look i just know that the next girl it's gonna be tougher most likely and the next girl whoever it is is already just drilling 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 takedowns top position takedowns top position get her down chain wrestling um and you know they've had years of experience more practice over clarissa so i think the fact that she's coming back sooner is going to encourage her to kind of you know I'm not saying she ever skipped a workout before, but I think that it's only natural you'd be more motivated knowing that, hey, like they just saw this happen. I need to fix this hole now, not in a little bit, right now. So I think it's better in that way. Yeah. Um, I'm not even gonna talk about uh one of our other ones. I'm kind of ready. I don't know about you, but it's yes. time. It's time. <laughs> UFC 264 yeah we're gonna work from the bottom up let's start with the co-main event because I want to let that one marinate at the top you know what it is y'all know you know <laughs> start with the good guy the nicest guy in MMA Stephen Wonderboy Thompson taking on Gilbert Burns um Wonderboy he's coming off the win over Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal Gilbert, this is his first fight since losing um, that fight with Kamaru Usman. Remember, he almost had Kamaru in the first couple minutes. Kamaru came back, got the finish. Well done. Um, this one is a sleeper for high stakes in the welterweight division, because a good finish could could move the line around a little bit. Because right now you got so many players in at welterweight: Colby, Leon Edwards. Nate Diaz of Kamar Usman's tweets are to be believed. Um Wonderboy would be such a interesting new wrinkle to the game, and I think he beats Gilbert Burns, he gets there. Gilbert, you turn away Wonderboy Thompson. This kinda gets you back in the conversation to fight the Colbys and Leons possibly, Jorge Masvidal, guys like that. So this is an important fight. Stylistically, what I like about it, um you got two guys. Very interesting dynamic with striking. Gilbert, high volume, get in your face. Wonderboy, very patient, one of the best in all of MMA at controlling the distance and using his length and range. Well conditioned, both guys, proven they can fight five hard rounds. What I think this one is going to come down to though, I think it's good, I think in a three round fight, this really favors Gilbert. I think it's going to come down to. The timing of uh, Thompson. I think that similar to Cyril Ghosn against Volkov. I think it's really about Thompson's ability to get out when he needs to, to not stand still. I think that he should try to take more risks knowing it's a 15-minute fight. He knows he can't be patient over 25 minutes. He's kind of got to get in there and get his shots early. Um, I think that if he can get to his mark he can avoid a lot of the offense long enough against gilbert and i think that's going to be one of the keys gilbert if he can make this one ugly multi you know similar to gone again use his uh, attack use kicks chop him down really just get that reach nullify it then we're talking about a different fight then this is a very winnable one for gilbert burns what are your thoughts on it
1: you know i love i love wonderboy he's so elusive Beautiful counter-striking, beautiful footwork. And just the fact that he's remained basically unchanged. His fight style has remained unchanged, but he's still such a hard puzzle to figure out. And his performance against Vicente Luque was great. He looked, he still looked fast. He looked sharp, confident. To me, even though with all the assets that Gilbert Burns has... I think, and, and yeah, your comparison to, to Gon Volkov is actually really good because of the height difference and and the the physique. Um, so Gilbert Burns, if he if he does the pressure, that is that is something that Stephen Thompson has can have trouble with, right? Because at a certain point you hit the cage and, and you have an opportunity to get caught there. So he's going to have to really be on his shuffle, side to side, pivot pivoting backwards to to avoid a serious onslaught from Gilbert Burns. But also remember, Stephen Thompson has excellent takedown defense. So if Gilbert were to try something, I think Stephen would be able to, to hold his own and mostly keep the fight on the feet. And if he can do that, I think he can with his special skill set that he has, hands down but fast like a viper, uh, beautiful counter. I think he can get the better of Gilbert Burns. So from my perspective, Stephen Thompson's going to be Wonder Boy. He's going to do his thing. I think he's going to be able to do his thing and outpoint Gilbert Burns and win by decision.
0: I think people fall asleep on just how good Wonder Boy can be when he's on. And I know, he's had some stumbles. Uh, the Darren Till fight, the Pettis fight, you know. I think those kind of hurt your ability to say he could be lights out all the time. I do remember this is the Wonder Boy who beat, years ago, the old Rory McDonald. And uh, he's the guy who beat... Robert Whitaker, and you know, it went the distance with Tyron Woodley. Um, I do think that uh, Thompson is going to have the right sauce, and I agree with you. I see unanimous decision. I think people forget that Gilbert Burns looked really good en route to where he got to in February, but I think that Thompson is just a very tough matchup for a lot of guys, and I think he's just, uh, I think his ability and the timing... I think that's what it's going to come down to. I just think he's going to have Gilbert's number on the timing. And I think that's just going to be the difference. So unanimous decision. Write it down. Um, (laughs) Put a a pin in it. Here we go. Dustin Poirier. Conor McGregor. Part three. Oh, God. I'm going to say this. I think that I, I'm going to present two stories and then I'll toss it to you for X's and O's. For Dustin, you set up arguably the best campaign a, a fighter has had since Conor McGregor 2016. Because you kick, it, kick off the year, you knock out a superstar in under 10 minutes. You have a chance to do that again six months later at a time where you're probably catching him at his most vulnerable then you know they're going to set up the fight for the lightweight title with Charles Oliveira. Dustin Poirier does this. I mean, you're talking about fighter of the year. I know Ngannou and Izzy and guys have had good years already. I think that he actually gets all three of those victories. It's not even close. He loses, and man, it starts to feel like that's just the story of it, right? And he's been there before, just... Gets some good wins, but... You know, and this is a big gamble. Because I'm going to toss it to it because Conor McGregor gets this one. We know what's on the line for Conor McGregor. Like, he loses this one. He's lost three of his last four. We're talking... You know, we're not talking about... You know, one million pay-per-view buys, two million pay-per-view buys. His ability to command those big numbers... He's still popular. He's still still a superstar... He's still more famous than most of the roster, but once again, his great value is his ability to get people to part with their hard-earned money, and that's just much, much harder to do when people have seen you get, you know, when it has not gone your way in a while. And so in that way, you know what's on the line for Conor McGregor, um... If he gets the win, if he were to get revenge, obviously the whole conversation has changed. Now we're talking about, you know, a chance to regain the lightweight title. You know, Habib's not there anymore. It's a different kind of ball game. And then once again, going back to Poirier, this is kind of, he is the incumbent, right? He is the heir apparent, even though Charles Oliveira has the belt. So this is quite a lot going into it. What about you? What are your thoughts on it?
1: oh boy my heart started racing just as we were about to start talking about this and like it's not even the fight like how we still have to wait two weeks basically um, yeah the you, you, you set it up perfectly which is so much is on the line for both guys for Dustin Poirier it's more you know the Louisiana kid getting finally reaching the top for Conor McGregor it's the champion of champions staying at the top and, and convincing people that he's still the guy you should, as you said, you know, part with your harder money for like he built up his brand as a winner, as a big talker who could back it up and he's having some trouble backing it up. So there's a lot of pressure on him. He knows it, right? That's why he says my family's not going to be there I'm gonna be a wild dog. Yeah, you hope that he's taking it every way serious that he can, like every every ounce, every cell of serious that he can generate. That he's that he's doing that because I don't think there's been a bigger, a more significant fight for him yet. Like you can look back and say, yes, the Floyd Mayweather one was, but he didn't. You know, he the the setup to it. And the fight itself, the fact that he hung in there, all of that was like a win for him, even though he didn't he didn't get the victory. Khabib, it was marred by the the trail the, the dolly thing, and then the post fight thing after when he when, when McGregor lost to Khabib, and so like there's always these stories with with his losses that sort of allow you to continue to keep him up on this pedestal of the man, you know. This one's different this is just a straight fight with a really good fighter, like all the, the BS about the charity, all that's gone. This is a, a fight with, with one of the best, and if you lose this, then it looks like you're not really that good anymore, and who's left for you to fight? So a lot on the line for Mr. Conor McGregor. Uh, I'm so stressed out just just saying these words to you. So. Um, here, here's how I, I see it. Um, I'm getting nervous.
0: Double G. I know. It's the big (laughs) one. This is what Fourth of July in MMA does to you.
1: I know. I go back to he has to take it so much, so serious, more serious than he's taken any fight ever. And he just needs to be Conor McGregor, relaxed. You know, when he used to say, "When I get in there, it's like the chains fall off of me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fight. I'm excited to fight. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous." That's when I get the most excited. That's what we need. We need that Conor McGregor that's just that, as he said, wild dog. The guy that's in there that's hungry that wants to fight. It isn't thinking about a Manny Pacquiao fight. It isn't thinking about um, you know, the the proper number twelve whiskey sale coming going through. It isn't thinking about his his family being there and he doesn't want to lose in front of them. We need the guy that's that's fighting for the, the paycheck, the, the, the early connor McGregor guy. So the old donor Neil car says, "So to do that, he has to stay loose. Um, you know, precision beats power, time beats speed. That's what he has to do. He's developed a lot of tools since since uh, he started in the UFC. His grappling, his defense. Like we don't really see it get put to use. And against Khabib, it's like, okay, nobody stands a chance. But against other people, you get, I get the sense that that there's a lot there." I think he's a well-rounded MMA fighter now. I don't he, he wasn't before. I think he really is now. He's going to need it against Dustin Poirier, who is also an extremely well-rounded MMA fighter. I think it comes down to reflexes, to staying focused, to staying elusive, and to still having the power in the left hand. He just can't get, he just can't fall in love with it. Like he, you know, he did it with Nate Diaz just throwing it over and over and over again. He can't do that. So he has to use it wisely. But I think that's going to come through for him in the end. I think, I'm going to say this, I think it's going to be Conor McGregor, TKO, round three.
0: Oh boy, oh boy. I, I hear, I think that you've laid out exactly the keys to victory for Conor. I think that you've done it perfectly. I'm not going to add any more. My thing about it, I think that what it comes down to is that Connor has had a short amount of time to make to have to make a lot of adjustments. I think that um, for one, you could tell how much bigger Dustin Poirier is. Uh, I think that Connor, truth be told, I think that Connor at one fifty-five, these last two with Cowboy and with Dustin earlier this year, I think he was just more kind of staying lean and not cutting weight. You know, like he'd been doing the 170 thing, now it's just like, look, you know, I kind of walk in and I'm close to 155. I would like to think that, hey, some strength and conditioning, put on some size, put on some muscle. Because quite bluntly, you did not have the pop you needed to put down Poirier. You connected, the old Connor hit at 145 hits you with those shots, you went to sleep. Mm -hmm. Poirier took those best hits and, you know, really understood It's like, hey... This is him on a full tank of gas. I got this. I think that's one thing. Secondly, stylistically, yes, he's got to move, check the kicks, not be there. The point is that he's traditionally really just focused on setting up the hands. All of his movement, unorthodox and all that, get in, get out, some kicks, wheel kicks. He's never been a kickboxing style fighter. Even against Nate Diaz, he used a lot of kicks, but they weren't exactly Israel Adesanya or some of the other guys we've seen throwing those kicks, right? Uh I think that that's the two big things that Conor would have needed to change if he's going to keep up with the best Dustin Poirier. I think the thing that always hurt Conor going into this rematch on the timetable, that fight happened at the end of January. I don't know if you listen to doctors orders or not, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do any contact workout for a while because your brain went got put to sleep. Now, once again, every fighter's different, but, you know, OK, take a bit of time off to heal the body, heal the head for sure. And now you're talking about you got to put in all that work essentially in about five months because it's been just about six since the fight. He fought at the end of January. Uh-huh. I just, that has always gone against Connor in my opinion. Plain and simple. I think that that was always working against him, and I think for as hard as Connor's working and all that, I think that's just not enough time to reinvent yourself the way he needs to, to beat the version of Poirier we saw. And I'll just say it, I believe Dustin when he says, I need to be a better version of the guy that beat Connor the last time. If I'm just the same guy, I haven't been working right. So. I think he knows how much this fight means. I think he knows what a second victory over Conor McGregor does for his career. There are guys who drop the ball. It's been a long time since Dustin Poirier was that guy. He got beat by a better guy in Habib. He is not that guy anymore. He's only gotten better. I think he's got Conor McGregor's number now. I'm going to say round one submission. I think he's gonna light him up and I think he's gonna get him on the mat and he's gonna try to out Habib Connor's performance. Wow. Rear naked choke.
1: Wow.
0: Yep. Okay. Round one sub. Rear naked choke. Rear naked choke, yes, sir. Asterisk that. (laughs) Yes,
1: you called it RNC. Okay, okay, man. Wow. That would be stunning. Shocking! Oh my goodness. Okay, I don't. I really hope I don't see that.
0: I but, know um, that's a lot of pay per view money to go in one round again, isn't it?
1: <laughs> oh my god! Someone. Pe- might- people
0: already know how I feel about a quick finish. If you heard me on best camp of my life, yeah, you know, <laughs> podcast, yeah. That sounds funny. Natalie, oh, can you believe we're at the end of the show?
1: no sir i can't i'm still
0: i know I'm you still... want to talk about more
1: no we... no i'm just like it's like you took me to the moment where that could like i saw it in my head and it's just like uh it's a tough it's a, as Connor mcgregor says it's a bitter pill to swallow um geez okay well i hope that doesn't happen that's all i can say thanks double g
0: so guys and natalie <laughs> If you have anything you'd like me to ask while I'm in Vegas, ask me because I will be there on on the scene for UFC 264. So you'll hear me at media day. You'll hear my lovely questions that I know some of y'all love and some of y'all, you know, y'all get over it. Anyway, but yeah, so definitely that'll be a lot of fun, um, Natalie. I know that you might be heartbroken, so I'll find you some proper twelve or <laughs> some Poirier's Louise. I, I'm looking for that pop up shop. I want to see the pop up shop of sauce. And if I'm, they're
1: smart, they'll do it. Are they? Is that is that something they're talking? They were
0: talking about doing in Vegas. If it's not, I think that's the biggest missed opportunity of Dustin. It truly is. Yeah. Like I mean. You know, come on, man. How can you not? But yeah, just because, you know, I'm a sucker for free samples. So, you know, free (laughs) hot sauce packets all day. Going to eBay those things. (laughs) Anyway, um, guys, we will be taking next week off. So obviously, you know, it's a weird one because 4th of July falls right on the Monday, if I'm not mistaken, or Sunday. And then the fight is that immediate Saturday. There's no weekend in between before the fights. So we will be back that Sunday. We'll recap everything UFC 264, Dustin versus Connor 3. We'll look ahead to what's next, the ESPN card with Islam Mahachev and Tiago Moises, the return of Misha Tate and all that good stuff. So guys, thank you for tuning in. And until then, have a good one.